Good morning. Welcome. We're so glad to see you here today. We are wrapping up a series called The Family, that God's intention for the church, you and I, to be family, a spiritual family that, that go on a, on a journey together. Uh, there's some shots there from our student ministry, Crosswalk, Wednesday nights at 630. If you have middle school or high school students, bring them, and uh, you get a little break from the action, and you can bring them and drop them off here. We'd love to minister to them during that time. And by the way, that last, last guy, the goofy face, that was my son, so pray for us. Uh, yeah, we get that every day. Hey, we're so glad that you're here, and uh, we want to start today. We've been we've done some things together that have been pretty cool. We've held hands and and sang. We've had communion together. We signed a banner about what we believe. Today, we're just gonna we're gonna press in one more time about what it looks like to be a family. And I thought we'd start with some pictures of the staff. And so, uh, if you'll throw the first one up there, this is Megan Sabin back in high school. And it's not fair because Megan still looks like that, but. Uh, uh, she's uh, uh, aged real well, and she's home today with the flu. So pray for Megan and uh, family. They're not uh, they're struggling with that. Uh, but show me the next one here. I like this one. This is Abby Epling, our children's director. And there's a lot going on in that picture. Look, take a look at all the props she's got there. That scares me a little bit. It should scare you too. She's watching your children. <laughs> no, Abby's great, but uh, uh, just out of, not, not too far out of high school, so not a lot of change there. Now we get a couple of good ones here. Uh, Rich Kunzelman, our guest services director, standing in the back. Uh, you're going to have to explain that shirt, man. I don't know what's going on there. But Rich has changed a little bit, uh, a little bit over the years, and then myself. Oh, uh, yeah. Rocking the wagon with the wood paneling, baby. Drove that to homecoming. You know it. So things change, right? <laughs> things do change. And the question is, is it good change uh, when you and I are changing? Spiritually speaking, we are all, God is a designer that we are here today to be changed by the living God, that every day we are to be changing for his glory. And the question we need to ask ourselves, in my spirit, in my, in my personal walk with God, in my character, in my conduct, is it good change? Is a good change. I can tell you, uh, you go back to that picture, I was 17. Up to the time I was 19, if you looked at my life, you would say, I don't, I don't know that he's a, a believer or not. And, and to be honest, that's a, that's a good assessment. And for myself, I'm not, I wasn't even sure where I stood with God at that age. And, um, and, and you could not really see any growth in my life, uh, any evidence of God in my life, because I wasn't growing until at age 19, I got on a path. I, got, I, got on a, I went on this road trip with God to become something different than I was. And, and far from perfection, but God has been allowing me to see pro progress in my spiritual growth. And guys, I just want to say today, that's what this message is about, that all of us can go on this journey with God to become something different. And then together, that we can become something beautiful together that God designed us to be. So let's jump into the scriptures together. We're going to look at 1 John chapter 2. talks just about this very idea. It says, And now, dear children, continue in Him. Continue in Christ, he's talking about. So that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. Wouldn't it be awesome that when Jesus comes back, that we're not ashamed and we're not afraid. We go, all right, he's here. And you're confident and unashamed at his coming because you've been seeing God grow you 
and make you what he wants you to be. That's exactly what he's talking about. God says, keep going in your walk with me. He commands that we keep journeying on with him, that we make progress in our, in our faith. See, knowing Christ isn't a stopping point. When you and I come to know Christ, it's a starting point. We shouldn't go into hypersleep here where the day that we receive Christ to the day we see Christ and there's nothing that happens in between. You know what happens in between is our life. Our, the rest of our lives, from we were moment we come to know Christ till He returns. Man, God has given us opportunity to know Him. God has given opportunity to grow in Him, to be useful to Him, to be a part of the kingdom. It's that those days that are a gift by God that we would go on this journey together to become what Jesus intended for us to be. Reminds me when you like you uh, restore things. You guys, anybody into restoring things, furniture or cars or fixing up houses? Like you, I don't know if you've experienced this, but when you get your phone out and you go on YouTube and you start looking up, like I watched a video of a guy restoring a car, and then like every time I get on there again, it's about cars getting restored. They're watching us. They know what we're doing. Like that's scary, right? So I've been watching these videos, and it's incredible that people can take this old, rusted jalopy, and you're like, just trash it. It's, it's worthless. And yet they meticulously go about taking it from a rust bucket to something beautiful. Now, that's incredible. I mean, people do it with furniture, like I said. And, and to see something that you think has no worth and no value and is no good to become this, this beautiful work, it's because of the hands of the people it's put in. Guys, listen, when you became to know Christ, you, you and I didn't look so good. And we got put in the hands of this beautiful Savior. And he wants to take us from where we are and knock the rust off and fix us up and make us into something beautiful. That's this journey. This is a process we get to go on with God. And that's what he's describing here. Then he says, if you know that he is righteous, God is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is who we are. Man, that is some awesome stuff right there. Listen, that this is our, our position in Christ. So don't miss this. He's saying, look, you are as loved and you are as accepted by your Heavenly Father as you'll ever be the moment you place your faith in Jesus Christ. Before you and I do anything for him, before we add any value to his kingdom, we do anything for the family. God says, listen, I want to give you this gift and you can be a part of my family and I'll lavish my love on you. And that position in Christ doesn't change. That's a gift God gives us. But the moment we come to faith, that, that's a starting point, not a stopping point. He says, I do this for you, and you should see yourself the way I see you as my child. But let's keep going. And he says this, the reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God. That's, again, your position in Christ. We're his children. And what we will be has not yet been made known. That means in heaven, we don't even know what it's going to look like one day. We have some clues in the Bible, but it's going to be mind-blowing. We can't even wrap our heads around what it's going to be. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he 
is pure. What is he saying? Listen, this identity piece, the moment you come to faith, you be, get made into a child of God, and that's a really great day. And there's going to be another day when we get to see Jesus face to face, and that's going to be a really great day. And in the meantime of all that, the daily choices and decisions we make ought to be in light of those two great days. Because I am a child of God, I act a certain way, and I think a certain way, and I believe a certain way. And because Jesus is coming back, man, I act a certain way and I live a certain way and I decide I'm going to live my life for him every day because of those two great days. And we become like him. And we become like him in some very practical ways. The first of all is that we become like him in our purity and the character that God wants to create. In fact, that's what we just read. He said, everyone who, I'm sorry, all who have this hope in him purify themselves. That means you and I begin to grow in the holiness, that we, that we resist sin, that we, we get changed in our thinking, that, we're, that our heart changes and we desire different things. Eddie Cook led somebody to the Lord a couple weeks ago in our church, and he, he, as he was talking to this guy, he, he received Christ into his life. And then the guy told him this. He said, listen, I'm gonna, I can't wait to go home and read my Bible. And I said, Eddie, that's a great sign that that was a genuine conversion because when God gets a hold, he changes our desires. And the guy couldn't wait to go home and read his Bible. And our desires change. And the secret, listen, if God is going to take you and I on this journey of making us holy and making us pure, the place that that journey starts is realizing you and I don't have what it takes to do it ourselves. That you and I in our own self-will and our self-effort will not be able, we will only frustrate ourselves trying to live like Christ and trying to live a godly life and trying to be pure if we're only relying on our own strength and our own ability. It's when you and I recognize that the Holy Spirit of the living God takes up residence in our life and we learn to rely on Him in our daily decisions where you and I can see significant progress in this purification in our lives. And what does that look like? It might look like every day we get up and say, God, I, I want to live this day for you. Will you help me to do so? And when the moment of decision comes and you're faced with two different options, that you say, God, would you give me strength? My, my heart is leaning the wrong way. Would you help me decide the right thing and choose the best thing that you have for me? And as we begin to make those choices under the influence of the Holy Spirit, under his leadership in our life, that you and I begin to take more and more the character of Jesus Christ in our lives. And you know what it produces? It produces things like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Scripture says against those things there is no law. You can't do any better than those things that you and I, when we, we allow ourselves to be led by the power of the Holy Spirit who is in every single one of us who are believers in Christ, then we can produce those fruits in our lives as we yield ourselves to Him. And that, that is, I promise you, that's, that is God's will for your life and for my life that we would take more and more of those characteristics on, that we learn to produce those things as we follow Jesus. And so become like him 
in our character. But secondly, in fact, let me say it this way. Our road trip, this journey God wants us to go on, our road trip must see progress in becoming like Christ in our character. I promise you that's what God wants for your life and for my life. That we become like Him. Let me just ask you, are you going, growing more like Christ in your character? Is there evidence of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and gentleness? Manifesting it's yourself. And it's always in those ugly, nasty times where you get to choose, right? I always say don't pray for patience because God will put you in place where you need to have patience. It's in those places you can measure. Is God more and more becoming a reality in my life? Secondly, that we become more like Christ in our righteousness. Learning to do what is right. That's what the scripture said. It says, everyone who does what is right has been born of him. Now that means avoiding the things we shouldn't do, but it also means learning to do the things that we should do. See, this road trip isn't just about avoiding the landmines that might blow up our life and then one day we'll get to heaven and we'll discover God. No, we, we get this idea that, that we get to be a part of the good things that God has for us today and every day as we seek to do the right thing, the right things in our life. The right thing means we get to be a part of this, this epic battle that's raging. I don't know if you, you sense it, but God has got purpose on earth for us today and that, that the souls of men and women, boys and girls are at stake. And we as the church, as the family of God, we get to be a part of joining God and being a part of rescuing people that are far from God. We get to be about serving people who need God's help. We get to be about the work of God on this earth together as a family. And when we talk about being righteous, that's doing the right things and being a part of the right things. Righteousness is Doing the right things with the right attitude in the right way. You say, how do I know I'm doing the right things? I mean, we could, we could cut that apple in a thousand pieces. So we've just defined what it looks like, the seven marks of a disciple here at Crossroads. We said, look, there's just, there's just seven attributes, there's seven actions or conduct we could do that would sort of sum up what it means to be a disciple. And I want you to hear these. You might want to write them down. There's seven M's, okay, so they all start with M, and it's being a member of his family. It, it means being a magnifier, that when you and I gather here and worship God, that, that we lift him up, and he gets big, and we get little, and we do that corporately, but also individually in our lives. That we're uh, maturing in our faith, and we're growing in our Bible study and prayer and the disciplines. That we're learning to manage the resources God's given us, our time and our, and our treasure to, to bring him glory. That we're learning to minister to one another. We're going to talk about that more in a minute. That we're learning to be a messenger and actually telling other people the good news about Christ. And that we'd be a multiplier. That we would lead people to faith who would get strengthened in their faith and they could lead others. Let me tell you something. All of us, all of us have that opportunity before us. Every single one of us can be a 7M disciple of Jesus Christ where we're learning to carry out the very conduct of Jesus because when he was on this earth, guess what he was about? Member, magnifier, messenger, all those things we just said. And that's what he passed on his disciples. And that's what they did. And the disciples passed it on to the early church. And now the torch has been passed to us. And God is saying, listen, I want you to behave and be righteous, to do the very things of God that I did, now you do.
You do. Can I tell you, this is, there's no better place to be knowing that you're not perfect, but that you are on the right path, pursuing holiness, pursuing the right conduct in your life. When we, when we have a baptism, we tell people, listen, when you come out of that water, just, just soak in the moment for a minute. Why? Because it says when you, when you come to know Christ, then you get baptized as an act of obedience, and you're obeying that step, and God is so pleased with you, he's so happy for you, you just soak in his pleasure for a moment. And when you and I decide, hey, I'm going to be about the conduct of Christ in my life, and you get on that path, there is no greater place to be. That's where joy is found. That's where fulfillment is. That's where contentment lies. That's where purpose is found. Everything that this world says and sells to you and I that we could have out there somewhere, we have in Christ. When we know our identity in Christ and then we get on this path with Him, we have what they're looking for. It's in Him. It's on this journey with Him. So in this series, we've talked about being a member. What does it look like to be a part of the family? It means that we believe together, we belong together and, and all these things. It also means we get better together. We get better. And one of the ways, actually before I get into all this, I want to just show you. We've had this plan for a while, but we've rebranded it and we're going to start articulating it a little bit better. We want to help you go on the same journey that you and I can produce the character and conduct of Christ. And so if you're new to Crossroads, if you've never done it, it really all starts with this class called Connect to Crossroads. I get to use the laser pointer, which is probably the highlight of my morning, and uh, I, was, I was messing with the band with it. Anyway, um, Connect to Crossroads is really the open door and the, and the gate to jump in and get connected and, and figure out uh, where this, this path all starts. And then for some, it'll mean going to connect to our baptism class and getting a good understanding of what it means to have a relationship with Christ and if you're ready for baptism. And then for all of us, this is one of our dreams here, is that every single one of us would get engaged in a small group because we grow better together in these little circles than we ever will in these rows. Can I tell you, when I was 19, you saw no evidence of Christ in my life. And the big difference for me is when I got involved with a small group of guys. We were college students, freshmen in college. And we had an older guy take an interest in us and begin to teach us and explain and help us and, and tell us we're being stupid and, and uh, really helped us grow. And we got in this small group environment. And we want every person at Crossroads to be a part of that. Go to the next one. And then from there, to, to be officially a part of our family and connect to our family, that class teaches us what the ground rules are here as a church and how we pray for each other and love for each other. And we don't rip each other down, but we build each other up. And we, we learn to go through conflict. And we learn what our core values are and all the things that are essential for being a great family together. And then we really strongly desire to see people get involved on a serving team in our church. That they learn how to give their life away in their spiritual journey. And then once they do that, they go to this Connect to Your Purpose class where you get to hone in and, and sharpen your skills and find out exactly the purpose for which God had created you to serve in His body and in His family. You have unique gifts and abilities and interests and passions that can't be replicated by anyone else. You are a unique design. And God has a purpose in place for you in His kingdom. That's what we teach in that class. Can I just tell you that? That sounds like a lot, but... And it might take a long time, but we desire every person in our church to go through those steps. 
I mean, that's our dream, that everyone would be connected in that kind of way and go on this journey, this road trip together with us. Part of that journey you just saw is becoming a servant, becoming a minister. In fact, it's one of the seven M's that we just talked about. It's part of the conduct of Jesus. In fact, look at what it says about Jesus in Mark chapter 10. It says, the, the disciples were arguing and... and um, and they were trying to decide who was the greatest among them. And they were saying, well, I'm better. No, I'm better. And Jesus said, listen up. Not so with you. You don't argue about who's the greatest. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave to all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. See, to be great in God's eyes is to mean that we learn to give up our rights and we serve others, become a servant of all. And the more, we don't get any more like Jesus when you and I humble ourselves and put other people's needs and other people's uh, growth ahead of our own. We never get more like him in that way. In fact, it said this, not only be a servant, but what else did it say? To be a slave. Now that's, that's awkward, isn't it? That we become a slave. But he says that intentionally because, listen, a servant can decide whether they want to serve or not serve. And a servant can decide whether they're going to quit or not quit. But a slave has no choice in the matter. They are compelled to obey. They are compelled to stay the course. Guys, when God says, listen, you can be a servant and even a slave, what he's saying is, listen, you can, go, you can start in one level of commitment but grow to another. Next time you sit down with a nice breakfast, think about this concept because if you got some eggs and some bacon in front of you and by the way does that get anybody excited like it gets me excited eggs and bacon that sounds good doesn't it you ever worship when you get a plate of food your pastor does it's fun it's good you get a, some eggs and some bacon and the chicken made a contribution but the pig was fully committed the pig went all the way. And I praise God for that pig because I love bacon. One was a servant. The other was a slave. And we get that idea. It's not from us. It's from Jesus himself. That's exactly what he did and what he demonstrated, that he willingly laid down his life not to be served but to serve. And he laid down his life for the mission of God that he would play his part in bringing about the kingdom on this earth. And that's exactly what he asked from each one of us. Because he's loved us, because he's died for us, because he's risen from the dead, because he's, because he's given us life, all that was given us and our position in Christ by faith is secure in him. And because he's done all of that for us in response to him, I want to give my life back to him and his cause. And this is what that looks like. Romans 12 says this. For just as each one of us has many bodies, I'm sorry, has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body. And each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each 
of us. So the analogy here is that there's a body here and that Christ is the head and that every single one of us is a part of that body and we each have a role to play in that body. See, we love the word member here because we are members of a family and we are members of a body. That's what Scripture teaches, that you have a role to play and you have a role and I have a role, that all of us together, everything gets done and the body functions as it should when we all play our parts. You ever thought about the different parts of your body? Which one would you want to give up? How about the elbow? Could you get away without an elbow until you get an itch on your back? Then you're going to really love your elbow. Or until you get your fork and you're ready to eat and you really want to eat. I tell you what, I love my elbow. My wife doesn't have to feed me. (laughs) I can eat when I want to eat. The elbow might seem so insignificant, but your elbow is a part, a vital part of your life. What about eyelashes? Think you can live without your eyelashes? Until there's dust. Could you imagine trying to keep the dust out of your eyes with your elbow? Doesn't work so good. Doesn't work so good. Every single part of the body has been placed here as God intended. We're going to look at that in a second. Every part of the body is indispensable. Every part of the body, the role that God has for you to play is absolutely mission critical. And let me just tell you something. We get so enamored with the mouth in the body of Christ. We get so enamored with the people that stand up on a stage like this and preach God's word or sing God's music and God bless them. But listen, that part isn't any more important than your part. These parts up here are no more important than any part that God has designed for you to play. They're just as important, just as indispensable. And so in God's idea, there's no non-functioning part in the body. You know, in the medical world, what you call it is a vestigial organ. I think I said that right. Where you have like an appendix that doesn't do anything good. Don't need it anymore. It's worthless. It's just, you're just carrying it around your whole life. Or if it's a limb, it's a atrophied limb you're dragging it around with you you know in the church world what that looks like is a person that belongs to the body but it is not functioning or not serving the body i just want to say if that's you i'm I'm not trying to point you out i'm not trying to make you feel bad because for some if there's a part of your body that's injured you take care of it and you help it and you heal it and some of you i just i know Some of you have come to this place and you're injured. You're an injured part of the body emotionally or your past or something you're going through today and there's just an injury that you're working through and you're trying to get healthy. Can I tell you this is a safe place to get healthy? And no one's going to force you and make you serve somewhere because the first thing and the best thing you can do is to get healthy. And when you get healthy, God has a place for you to serve. If you're not serving here, if you're not serving here and you're being wait, waiting to be asked, well, here it is. Let me ask you. Use your gift. Find a place to serve. We've got tables in the hallway. You're going to see them as you walk. And I had some really uncomfortable eye contact with the first service people. 
because I wanted people to sign up and be a part of serving and find a place to serve. And, and uh, I'll stand out there. I will be out there again. Let's avoid the uncomfortable. No, I'm just kidding. God's got a place for you to serve. We're asking you to serve today. If you're not serving, you're just unwilling to serve, let me just say that that means you're a growth. You're a lump. And I hope you're benign and not dangerous. Because sometimes those growths are trouble. And my experience has been, listen, if, if you're rowing in the boat and you've got people rowing, but somebody's not rowing, that's usually the one rocking the boat. Lastly, I want you to hear this last thing. You're not here on accident. You're not here by accident. I don't care if you're a first-time guest or you've been here a long time. God has got you here for a reason. Look at what he says, 1 Corinthians 12. But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, that's you and me, every one of them, does that include all of us? Yes. Every one of them just as he wanted them to be. It's no accident you're here. If they were all one part, where would the body be? We can't all do the same thing. As it is, there are many parts, but one body. God has got you here for purpose, for reason, for meaning, for kingdom impact, for serving others, for making a difference, for, for this gap that you've got between receiving Christ and seeing Christ. This is the opportunity we have to make a lasting difference for eternity. And God's inviting you to be a part. See, everyone, I believe this, everyone has a God-appointed place in his family to minister. Every single one of us do. That we're not a minister because we get ordained. We're not a minister because we have a degree or a seminary. We are ministers when we were called to faith in Jesus Christ. You became a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we get the blessing and the opportunity to minister to one another. I said this some years ago. We were, we were doing this thing where we were having people, if they were hurting, to come pray. And I said, I am not the most compassionate person, so don't come to me. And we had people lined up that had a big heart for God and would pray with them. I said, go to them. They will minister to you way better than I will. And literally... That's the story over and over and over. And every single chair that has a person in it has, has a unique gift and ability that I don't have. And the body needs you. See, every part is important. And no part, no matter how small, is too small. They're all the same in importance, but I want to make this distinction. They're not all the same in their commitment. What do I mean? They're all important, but there's some that don't take as much time or as much commitment as others do. And so these less commitment things are no less important. They're just less time and commitment available. It's a bite, not a buffet. And let me just tell you, these you think that greeting somebody isn't all that important or all that significant. If you think that, you haven't been to a new church in a while. Because when you walk in the doors, the last that is a scary thing to do. And the, and the most important thing you can have happen to you is someone to smile at you and greet you and walk with you and make you feel comfortable and help you get acclimated to their church. And that role is so important. You know, people decide to be a part of a church family 12 minutes into their experience, way before any of us get up and preach. 
It's already decided. That greeting, it's such a small once or twice a month that you come and you, and you just welcome people to church. That seems so small, but it's so important. Maybe think of uh, Mike Walker, who um, he's one of our elders now, but when he came four or five years ago with his wife, Killian, they just they got involved in, in, uh, and he just started greeting. He would help pass the baskets on Sunday morning. And then he got involved helping out with the facility. And then he became a lead usher. And then he got involved. They got like three or four small groups. They were like small group junkies. We almost sent them off to recovery. I mean, it was bad. If it was a small group, they were in it. And now today, he's an elder in our church. He's, he's, he's setting the direction and shepherding people in God's church because they've been faithful to start where they could start, and God has grown them. And this, this road trip that he's gone on with his wife, Killian, has been a beautiful Thing. There's been incredible life change. We've seen it happen in their life. We've seen it happen in a bunch of lives. And it's beautiful. Here's my question. Will you go on the same road trip? Will you decide to go with us on this journey of growth and holiness and purity and serving others together? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this church family that our entrance into it isn't by our actions. We don't get introduced into it because we are worthy. We get introduced to it by the sacrifice of your son, Jesus. And God, I thank you for those who are in this place that need to take a next step in their commitment to you, in their growth with you, in becoming more righteous and more holy for you. God, to be serving other people for you. And God, I pray that you'll speak to each person in this room and you confirm in their heart what is their next step in their journey with you. God, I pray that you help them take action today. God, if that means getting involved in a small group, if that means going to the membership class today, if that means signing a, one of the cards about serving, God, I pray that you would give them the courage and the action to follow through. God, help us to become the family that you want us to be. God, help us to become the people of God that you created us to be. God, that when you come back one day, that we will stand there not ashamed, but unashamed and confident because we went on this journey with you. When that day comes, it'll be too late to start. God, give us the courage to start that today. And so, Father, I pray for anyone in this room that has never crossed that line of faith and they're not a part of the family of God yet because they've never received Jesus into their life. But today, God, you're convincing them that, that the best life that could ever be found is found in Jesus Christ. And the only way for eternal life is found in Jesus Christ. God, convince them today that today's the day to receive you. In fact, God, I just want to give you an opportunity to speak and draw people to yourself. And if you need to make that decision today, I'm going to ask you to pray with me to receive Jesus as your Savior, to be a part of the family of God, and to get on this path and take this road trip with God.
you'll confess to God. Say, God, I am unworthy to be in your holy family. God, when I compare my holiness and my purity to your holiness and your purity, I fall so short. So, God, I need you to save me and to forgive me for my sin. I need Jesus. I believe Jesus died in my place. And the best I know how, I place all my faith in Christ. I believe he was the perfect sacrifice that paid for my sin. I believe that he can usher me into your family. And I ask to be led in. And I want to follow you. Tell him that. I want to follow you. I want to get on this journey with you, God. I want to become more like Jesus Christ. Thank you for making me your daughter. Thank you for making me your son. Now, thank you for the family of God, that we can call you our Heavenly Father. And God, together we can be more than we could ever be on our own. God, would you unite us together in purpose, in unity, in holiness, in righteousness. Make us disciples that look like you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.